0: You are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland, Maine, and broadcast on 1310 AM Portland, streaming live each week at 11 AM on wlobradio.com. Show summaries are available at doctorlisa.org. Download and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial through iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are
1: some highlights from this week's program. I think people should keep running as much as they can. Just uh, do your homework and stretch, and consult a running coach, and get good shoes. And if you're going to run barefoot, then do your research and uh, make it happen.
2: The sort of the buzz phrase is triathlon is a new marathon. It's become the kind of thing that people can brag to their friends about but not come across as sounding obnoxious. It's the water cooler effect. People love being able to say after the weekend, hey, guess what I did? And their friends are impressed.
3: It's open to anybody and we try to make sure that people understand that they're welcome, that it's a non-threatening or non-intimidating environment and that anybody can join the Academy or come into our store and feel truly comfortable and not intimidated and we work very hard on that.
4: We have a lot of residents who are very supportive of the runners. They're just handing out water or playing music along the course. It's really special. It's a big community event really.
0: The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin at RE-MAX Heritage, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Booth, UNE, the University of New England, and Akari.
5: This is Dr. Lisa Belial. You are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 36, Running Spring Feet, airing for the first time on May 20th, 2012 on wlobradio.com. Today's show is one that I know that people will enjoy if they're runners or even if they're not, because I'm a runner and I know I've enjoyed putting the show together. With me in the studio, I have Genevieve Morgan, the wellness editor for Maine Magazine. Welcome,
6: Genevieve. Good morning, Lisa. Did you run today?
5: I did not run today. As we're taping it today, it's raining, and I always take off days. That's part of running; is you have to take off days. Um, And I always do a long weekend run, so it always it ends up being that early in the week I'll take a you know either a Monday or a Tuesday off. So it's all part of it. And and we were talking about how it kind of keeps me sane and. It's, that for me is the importance of running, is the mental and emotional well-being. We have a series of diverse guests today. From Akari, we have podiatrist, Dr. Chris Toth, and Carol Fortin. We have fellow Bowdoin graduate, Will Thomas from Tri-Maine Sports. We have John Rogers from the Maine Running Company, which actually is our show sponsor today. So thank you to the Maine Running Company for sponsoring the show. And we have Maya Cohen, who is the volunteer coordinator for the Beach to Beacon coming up in August. A lot of runners. A lot of runners, but even some not so much runners. What we had hoped by bringing in this diversity of guests is that we could inspire those of you who are listening to think a little bit more about your feet, whether you're a runner or not. And also think about how you might be able to get out and about and enjoy the energy around running, which is why we've talked to uh, Maya Cohen from the Beach to Beacon race.
6: Well, you can't get very far if your feet are killing you. Uh, I wrote an article in Maine Magazine last July 2011 called um, Happy Feet, has been, and I think the subtitle was Feet are the Foundation of Fitness. And it's really true. I'm sure you see that in, the, in your practice all the time. When people's feet are killing them, they can't move. Well, and it's interesting. I've had um, several people come in lately. I do see a lot of feet in my
5: practice, interestingly enough. And I've had several people come in recently with longstanding foot issues. And, and the problem is that if you have an issue with your finger, maybe you can compensate around that finger. But you have an issue with your foot, and you still need to walk. You still need to be able to use that
6: part of your body. Well, I think there are one hundred and six bones in the feet, and then I think every single nerve ending goes into the feet right they 're incredibly complex. There is a
5: lot going on down at that uh, part of our body, and this is why I think that Akari likes to do the um, likes to do their pedicures up good in fact, they have this mojitos and um, foot-focused event that's coming up later this week, which we'll post on our website. And I also know that the main running company, the sponsor of today's show, they really they spend a lot of time thinking about feet. They want to make sure that people who are going to run, or even people who are going to walk, they find the right shoes, they find the right fit, so it impacts their gait in the right way, um, because that can set you up for either doing well or not doing well, whether you're racing or just walking or running for fitness.
6: And isn't it that if you have back pain or hip pain or knee pain, often it can be, it can originate in the feet and you just don't know it? That's absolutely true. And it, when you, when we go through medical school,
5: what they teach us is, you know, the the hip bones connected to the knee bone, you know, and it's, it's this funny little thing that you think about, but there's always an upstream and a downstream. So if you're having issues that are upstream at your knee or at your hip or at your back or even at your neck, it could be that you're having some sort of gait disturbance that starts way down low. Um, so it's there's mechanical reasons for dealing with your feet. There's, As we'll talk to the people from Akari, there's sort of cosmetic reasons for dealing with your feet. We'll talk to the people who are involved with running. There's joyful reasons for keeping your feet in tune. Um, and I think all of these are reasons to listen to today's show and get some inspiration and insight. And for those of you, by the way, who have never been to Akari, if you're looking for a fun um I went to Akari right before Mother's Day, and it was a it was a really fun place to visit. So, if I encourage you to go spend some time there um, on their upcoming event,
6: I think at the event, Dr. Toth is going to be there looking at everybody's feet. So, it's a it's a free way to go get your feet checked out.
5: Yes, and there's always a free way to get your feet checked out if you go to the main running company because they're always all about gait and proper fit. Um, and just ways to get us grounded in this world.
6: You're up for the beach to beacon.
5: That's absolutely right. So we will be speaking to our diverse lineup of guests, and we hope that you will be listening, and let us know what you think. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is pleased to offer a segment we call Wellness Innovations, sponsored by the University of New England. Our wellness innovation associated with running and diet is that new research finds no association between white potato consumption, baked, boiled, or mashed, and obesity type 2 diabetes or systemic inflammation. Preliminary research presented at the Federation for American Societies for Experimental Biology demonstrated that habitual consumption of white potatoes, baked, boiled, and mashed, is not associated with obesity, type 2 diabetes, or levels of C-reactive protein, a marker of systemic inflammation. Previous studies examining the association between potato consumption and disease failed to consider demographic factors that could potentially have confounded the relationship, such as age, gender, race, ethnicity, and education. For more information on this wellness innovation, go to doctorlisa.org, For more information on the University of New England, go to une.edu.
0: This portion of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast has been brought to you by the University of New England, UNE, an innovative health sciences university grounded in the liberal arts. UNE is the number one educator of health professionals in Maine. Learn more about the University of New England at une.edu.
5: Today's show is one that's near and dear to my heart because it addresses running and also feet. I know that feet are very important to me because as a runner, I use them all the time. I think feet are important to most people. Even if you're not a runner, you use them all the time. So we're happy today to have in studio with us Dr. Christopher Toth, who is a podiatrist and obviously... Your practice, Dr. Toth, is on feet. So yes. I think you think that feet are pretty important. I do. Yes. And we also have Carol Fortin, who is a nail technician. And Carol, you also spend some time down around the, the bottom of the body at the feet.
7: Absolutely, yes.
5: Dr. Toth, I've, I've looked over your resume, and it's very impressive. You have science and business degrees from McGill. Um, you got your medical education at Temple, internship and residency at Cornell and Mount Sinai. Um, and then you went on and did additional work. You're, you have a lot of education. Thank you. <laughs> Is this typical of a podiatrist?
1: Um, not really. Uh, most podiatrists do four years of podiatry school, and then they choose to go on for residency. I felt that uh, I wanted to travel a lot um, in this country and internationally, and so the opportunities are much better if you have more training. So I kind of wanted to do something very narrowly focused, um, as focused as I could. So that's why I chose to go on and do do more education.
5: So what is your narrow focus? Tell me.
1: Well, I specialize in the foot and ankle, which most podiatrists do. Um, it's a unique perspective to do it surgically, where you're seeing the foot inside, um, out. It's almost, I think it's, it's, it's very artistic in its nature, just because you look at a textbook, you look at an anatomy book, and it's not the same when you actually see it in real life. So for me, um, it's a special sensib- sensibility that I love to, to, to have and a perspective that makes a huge difference in uh, the work that I do. As far as even basic stuff like choosing shoes, um, working with uh, people that have balance problems, uh, the unique perspective you get from the surgical education is, is something that is, uh, that is unique, I feel.
5: Do you think that this is one of the reasons why working at Akari here in Portland made sense to you, that this, this aesthetic appeal?
1: Um, Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. The other thing that has to do with it is that there uh, are things um, uh, about the foot and ankle that are common, that are painful, that people have, um, that are traditionally treated by surgery and traditionally treated by medical uh, means using pills that I'm able to do at Akari um, that are different and that are um, not uh, invasive and that work very well. So I feel that it's an alternative approach that I think people will find appealing.
6: What are some of those things?
1: Well, the two things that I would say that uh, are the most common is, uh, it's not a very sexy topic, but nail fungus Mm -hmm. is very common. Uh, A lot of people have it. And um, I would say 10 to 12% of the population suffers from that in the US and worldwide. Uh, Europe has been on the forefront, mostly England and France, treating uh, nail fungus with lasers. And it works extremely well. It's painless. Uh, and the efficacy rate is much, much higher than the oral medication that, uh, that can affect the liver. And we do need to monitor uh, liver enzymes with that. So I find that the laser is very, very useful. And um, I will say that we've test-driven a lot of machines and have done all our research and have become uh, very patient with introducing it to this market because Maine is a state where people are very, uh, they do their education. They're very, uh, you know, patient-centric. Um, and I feel that this is a good time to introduce it. And I, th- uh, I believe I'm the only one in Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont offering this technology.
6: And is there anything else? Nail fungus is the one. Yep.
1: The other uh, runners seem to have uh, problems with uh, the term is metatarsalgia, which is a very uh, br- you know, broad-based term describing foot pain. Um, also, plantar fasciitis is a very common uh, pain complaint people have that are runners, that are dancers, that work, uh, women that wear high heels. Uh, men that wear dress shoes, and sometimes people that have no athletic background whatsoever. Um, And what I've been doing is um, I was trained in New York um, at the International Aesthetic uh, Foot Society, which is an interesting uh, place to go, um, to inject uh, Sculptra, which is a um, a filler, uh, a collagen-based filler that naturally stimulates collagen production. And so I'm injecting this substance into, into feet to naturally augment the fat pad that you normally lose as you age and as you get older
5: so one of so you lose fat as you yes as you're aging yes. is there also an impact if you're if you are a runner is there an impact on the fat pad of the there
1: foot? is everybody's different and everybody's gait is different um i work with dancers i've done that for many years and a lot of it is is postural nature people blame the foot for a lot of different things that really don't come from the foot it can come from your neck position it can come from your spine position it can come from an imbalance yeah, the center of gravity changes every single time you walk in with different things that you do. So uh, the impact on the foot comes from a wide array of sources, including the foot itself, as well as what you're doing. So uh, I've, you know, I've seen patients and have treated patients that, you know, they would like to wear high heels and they're uncomfortable, um, and this helps. And I've treated patients that simply cannot walk without, without this procedure. They've tried orthotics and they've tried other means. And in my traditional practice uh, that I work in Southern Maine at Goodall Hospital York in Southern Maine, um, I do surgery for this, and it's a procedure that works beautifully. However, there's a large downtime, and it's. I feel very fortunate to be able to offer something that's non-surgical uh, before I would even, you know, suggest the surgical option.
5: Now, what is what do, does running or working athletically with your feet, dancing? What does this do to your nails?
7: Um, it does a lot, actually. A lot of runners will lose a toenail, or they'll develop. A, develop a really ridged toenail, um, or a lot of calluses and things like that. Um, so definitely some damage, yes.
6: And are you sort of the gateway to diagnosing some of these larger problems? Because you, I assume you work with a client regularly You yes. can see changes in their feet.
7: Yes. Well, with I spend about an hour with each client, so they talk a lot about the issues that they may have. And then Because I work closely with Dr. Toth and I can see if they're, you know, a good candidate for the things that Dr. Toth does do. So we can provide a lot of help, or sometimes people, they don't realize that there are things that they can have fixed without having surgery especially, which is great.
6: I have a really good friend who suffers from bunions and her foot pain led to kind of compensatory actions that have really ruined her physical fitness because she hasn't been able to really do the things that she's wanted to do. And I think she believes it all started with her feet. Do you see that often?
1: I do. And a lot of what I see in my practice is almost at the end stage. I kind of wish sometimes that I would see these patients a little earlier so that I can give them suggestions. Uh, And there's a a wide array of of, of support people that you can can, uh, ask to do this. One of which could be a running shoe store, um, like the main running company that would custom fit a shoe um, and would let them try it out and return it. Uh, Other sources would include athletic trainers. So even if you have something that's, uh, I mean, a bunion is considered genetic, and it's considered a dislocation syndrome, where the big toe joint is dislocated and is moving differently. And it's unsightly, and people come to my office because it looks different. However, it does affect the biomechanics of your foot. And it affects it so much that it can change a person's athletic career. whether you have it fixed or not. So it does, it changes the way that you walk, it changes your fitness level, Um, but it is manageable. And there's a lot of different options. And sometimes people don't think of the simple options uh, before they think of actually the surgical options.
5: What are some of the benefits of being barefoot? I know there's been a big barefoot running craze lately. Do you have thoughts on that or?
1: I do, I have a lot of thoughts on it. A few things, uh, it's interesting, My uh, I'm a surfer and uh, a big hero of mine is Laird Hamilton, who's an extreme surfer. And his, his recent book, I, wrote, I read that uh, he walks barefoot everywhere. And the reason for that is there's thousands and thousands of uh, lightning bolts hitting the ground at a certain time. And uh, you collect that energy in the sand and the water and it, and it, and it changes you in a meaningful way. So I think there's, there's definitely benefits to walking barefoot. However, the running, uh, the running shoe craze with the, the typical barefoot shoes, I think you have to be very cautious. I think um, I've traveled through Africa and I've worked with runners in, um, in South Africa and Namibia and uh, they're, they, they run like this from the moment their are you know, they're born practically, and they're used to it. Uh, and it's a lifestyle for them. The way they get around is, is they run. They don't have cars, they don't have what we have. And so they're used to it, and they don't have the same injuries that we do. When we try to duplicate that without proper training, meaning a running coach or someone that, that, that knows how to do it, it's very, very difficult, and you can, you can create injuries. And you have to assess your health level as well, and your fitness, and also your weight weight has a large uh, a large factor in, 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 in your running and in, in the, and in the barefoot movement so I think it's great I think I've worked at a number of marathons I've run one myself and I've seen people run barefoot and they've done wonderfully but I think you have to sort of be aware of, of the of your pain level and your pain tolerance because I have seen people have stress fractures um, doing this kind of activity uh, they, their feet may be fine but they have non-specific foot pain, and it ends up that it's, that it's a stress fracture. So it's very similar to the military. I worked in the military sector as well. And you have these uh, recruits coming from all around the U.S. That have, that have worked on farms or worked jobs, but they never actually marched 26, 28 miles in a row. So no matter what you do, you have to be very methodical, and you have to be conditioned to do it.
0: We'll return to our interview after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Robin Hodgkin, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney in Portland, Maine. For all your investment needs, call Robin Hodgkin at 207-771-0888. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. And by Booth, accounting and business management services, payroll and bookkeeping. Business is done better with Booth. Go to BoothMain.com for more information.
5: What type of long-term changes do you see in people who run barefoot or maybe even walk barefoot all over the place?
1: Um, There could be a lot of changes, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with the foot. Uh, The foot is in a very adaptive structure. We've got a lot of bones in there, Uh, statistically and percentage-wise, more bones than the rest of your body. Um, And it adapts beautifully well, just like your hands do. The foot and the hands are very, very analogous structures. Your hips and your back aren't. So a lot of what happens is with respect to your feet and the center of gravity. So when you walk, um, you have to be very cognizant on how you do it. And if you're going to make the commitment to do the barefoot uh, thing, like I said, it's it's not a bad idea to go see a running coach. That's the first thing that I would recommend. Uh, these these coaches, that's, that's their profession, that's what they do, and they're very good at it. So they can analyze you, they can put you on a treadmill. Uh, but as far as long-term effects, I honestly don't think it's been going on long enough. I think it's been going on maybe four or five years. It's been kind of an exotic thing that I saw people doing marathons back in 97, 95 but I think we're gonna start noticing changes, uh, and I honestly can't predict uh, what they would be yet. I have, I have seen some people with stress fractures, but I wouldn't say it's to the point where I would warn people from doing it, um, you
6: know. Well, and I would think that if you take some attention to, pay some attention to the ground that you're starting to barefoot run on, I've, I've heard a lot of advice to start in sand or grass, for instance, not the pavement.
1: <laughs> right. I do agree with that. Um, the other, But the problem with running on sand and grass is when you try to do the front foot forward first and then the heel to follow, what happens is your heel sinks into the grass and it sinks into the sand more than it would if you were wearing shoes on pavement. And your Achilles can take a, a pretty severe beating. And so what I'm seeing is if there's, if there's one injury that I'm seeing the most, it's Achilles tendonitis from this. Because people don't... Quite understand that they have to they have to condition themselves and stretch, so a lot of runners do yoga, a lot of surfers do yoga. I do recommend yoga to to people that would do this, or even just a really good stress you know stretching regimen.
5: Dr. Toth, I understand that there is an upcoming event at Akari that um, will be open to the public.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, we have uh, on May the 23rd. It's a Wednesday from six o'clock till. How long does it? Um, Seven thirty, s- eight o'clock? Yes. Yeah, we'll be there as long as people people are there. And mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're doing an open house on the services that we provide at Akari um, with respect to the foot and ankle. So I'll be there doing consults. I'm happy to talk to anybody with any questions. There's going to be... Uh,
7: we're doing um, free mini pedicures and um, reflexology on the feet and um, sunless tanning on the legs. So I'll from the knee on down and serving mojitos and trying to provide sort of a fun, lighthearted way to address um, issues on the feet. Um, How can people
5: find out more about Akari and the work that that you, Carol, are doing at Akari and you, Dr. Toth, are doing at Akari?
7: Um, You could give us a call. Um, The number is 772-9060. You can go online, also akaribeauty.com. But yeah, d- come in for a consult, uh, consults with Dr. Toth are free. Yep,
1: I'm happy to talk um, to anybody and give any information or advice that they want mm-hmm. to have addressed.
5: And do you have any parting words of wisdom for people about their spring feet or the, their running feet, Dr. Yes, Toth? I
1: think people should keep running as much as they can. Just uh, do your homework and stretch and consult a running coach and get good shoes. And if you're going to run barefoot, then do your research and uh, make it happen.
5: Well, we appreciate your bringing your expertise into the studio. My Um, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: A chronic ache, sleepless nights, a feeling of something being not quite right. Treat the symptoms with traditional medications, feel better for a little while, and continue with your busy days. But have you ever stopped to consider the what that's at the core of a health issue? Most times, it goes much deeper than you think. And when you don't treat the root cause, the aches, the sleeplessness, and not quite right come back. They don't have to. You can take a step towards a healthier, more centered life. Schedule an appointment with Dr. Lisa Belial and learn how a practice that combines traditional medicine with Eastern healing practices can put you on the right path to better living. For more information, call the Body Architect in Portland at 207-774-2196 or visit doctorlisa.org today. Healthy living is a journey. Take the first step.
5: When you think about spring feet and running. Sometimes you think about triathlons. So who better to have in the studio with us today but Will Thomas, who happens to be a two thousand three graduate of Bowdoin College, experienced triathlete a triathlete and race director with years working to promote endurance athletics in northern New England, who in March of two thousand six established TriMain Productions. Thank you for coming in and talking with us well, today. Thank you Will. guys.
2: It's a pleasure to be here.
5: Well, we I know that one of the reasons we were interested in having you in is that you were actually featured in the Bowdoin magazine. Doing, yeah, doing your thing.
2: I know it was pretty unexpected, but um, you know I'm very sort of humbled by it and thankful. And it was cool to kind of see how Bowden has sort of embraced that entrepreneurial and uh, endurance sports that whole kind of category. And uh, one of my good friends, Matt O'Donnell, who is the associate editor there, is, has become a transformed triathlete. He was formerly not an athlete, and he did the polar bear try at Bowdoin and has since sort of transform his his whole you know experience around sports and uh, it's been pretty cool to watch so I think he was the one who kind of came up with the idea for the magazine and article and it's been very cool
5: so what is it about triathlons that seems to be so well you use the word transformative what what is it Why are people gravitating towards triathlons?
2: Triathlon the sort of the buzz phrase is triathlon is a new marathon it's become the kind of thing that people, can brag to their friends about, but not come across as sounding obnoxious or, you know, uh, over the top. It's it's the water cooler effect. People love being able to say after the weekend, hey, guess what I did? And their friends are impressed. And that's what triathlon ha- has become in the marketplace. Uh, it's very uh, attainable for a lot of people in a way that other types of events aren't. And it's very much driven by community, which I think is probably the most powerful Part of the triathlon experience, people love doing this stuff together. They love training together. They love building new networks of friends and um, encouraging their family to do it with them. So a lot of triathlons are built around family and community, and that is becoming the really the driver of the growth, in my opinion. So um, unlike you know some of the other endurance sports out there, triathlon has a feel-good component to it, and it really is about Getting to that finish line more than what your time is and what your, you know, what your uh, personal best is. It's really about accomplishment and sharing and celebrating that accomplishment with friends and family. So um, that to me is the sort of the real uh, excitement behind the sport.
5: Was it about triathlons that drew you as an individual to create this company to work with Bowden? I mean, tell tell us about your personal story.
2: Yeah, it started when I was sixteen. So a long time ago. <laughs> and it was a challenge from one of my family members who had been doing them for a couple of years and said, Hey, you know, I bet you can't do this. And of course, I'm not going to back down as a 16 year old. Right. So, uh, I signed up for a race having absolutely no idea what I was doing, like most people. And, but back then there were probably a dozen races in all of New England. Uh, this is 1996. So I had to borrow a bike. No one had wetsuits back then. Uh, basically did the whole thing in a Speedo and Nearly killed myself. Uh, it was it was pretty uh, embarrassing and ridiculous, but uh, got the bug then and just started racing as much as I could. I, I think it was one of those you know I won my age group because I was sixteen and there was no one else in it, and I realized, hey, wait a second, I could win all my age group at every race if I just keep showing up. <laughs> so that got me hooked, and then I started doing it more and more. And by the time I got to Bowdoin, I had done you know probably twenty at that point, and uh, it was really a passion in my summers. And I swam at Bowdoin, and I had a lot of friends who were really athletic and into that kind of stuff, And but no one really knew how to do triathlon or where to do them or, uh, you know, how to prepare for one. And I decided, well, you know, instead of having people ask me all these questions and trying to give them advice and tell them where to go, I might as well just bring a triathlon here so they can experience it at the college. And that was sort of the, the motivation behind the polar bear Try, and that was 10 years ago, so...
0: We'll return to our interview after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Akari, an urban sanctuary of beauty, wellness, and style located on Middle Street in Portland, Maine's Old Port. Follow them on Facebook and learn more about their new boutique and medispa at akaribeauty.com and by Dr. John Herzog of orthopedic specialists in Falmouth, Maine, makers of Dr. John's Brainola cereal. Find them on the web at orthopedicspecialistsme.com.
6: One of the things that I find interesting about triathlons is this notion of people having to dig deep. That when you're in the middle of a race that, that has that much diversity and endurance, you have to dig deep. What is What happens? What do you, When you're running that race, what happens?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question because it is an individual pursuit and You're out there by yourself, and it it really is up to you to complete it. Talking to other people in my own experience, it really isn't an individual pursuit because it takes all those people who have helped you along the way to get you through that moment. And so when I talk about the community of triathlon, you really are relying on your friends and family inside of you at that moment to help you overcome that pain, that discomfort, that sense of dread or impossibility. And so... If you don't have that kind of support mechanism around you um, in your training and in your and in your racing, it's very hard to overcome that. But it is different for each person. That moment of of I don't think I can do this and that doubt and and really that's the essence of the sport. You know, if you can overcome that, you learn an incredible amount about yourself, and it trans- translates into confidence and and excitement and a sense of accomplishment that that will percolate into the rest of your life. And it's a, really, it's a really spectacular thing to watch. People I've seen, you know, who started this sport three or four years ago to what they are today, it night and day in terms of personality and, and what they're able to accomplish, so.
5: Are you more or less likely to get injured if you are training for a triathlon? Well. Then, then say if you're training for a marathon.
2: Yeah, I, generally... <sighs> If everything was even, triathlon is probably better in terms of the wear and tear on your body. I mean, if you're clearly that that means if you know how to swim, right, and if you're swimming the right way, uh, if you know how to ride and you know how to run. Uh, but the cross training has been shown over and over again to really have a lot of medical benefits, um, and you're not bashing your legs the way you do when you run uh, a lot of marathons. That being said, you know people get injured doing anything, so it's you know it's hard to say if it is or isn't more risky. People on their bikes, you know, there's a lot of risk being on a bike, and more than being on you know just running. So, uh, but in general, triathletes tend to have sort of a healthier balance, I think, and and in in terms of how they take their work and family and and incorporate their training into that, I've seen the triathletes tend to be a little bit more kind of uh, balanced in that way. Um, it's not just, I have to do this every day. No, that that's all, be all, end all. There's definitely some flexibility that comes with the idea of having to do all these different sports. So,
5: Tell us about the Polar Bear Triathlon.
2: The Polar Bear Triathlon is uh, one of my favorite races um, of the year because the college really gets excited about it, and we have this huge influx of students who come out and volunteer. Uh, you got football players, you have hockey players, you've got women's volleyball team, the whole swim team. I mean, lots and lots of students come out a- in a way that they otherwise really don't participate in a lot of community events. At least when I was there, that was the experience I had. Um, so you have a really neat confluence of the community members, the triathletes, the college, the the teams, and. Uh, it's sort of a celebration of, of spring and, and athleticism and Brunswick and Bowden and, and a lot of the things that I think are just phenomenal. It's a short race. It's a sprint race. The swim's in the pool. Uh, we do waves of 32 people at a time, and they just kind of cycle through the pool. And it sells out every year in about an hour, an hour and a half. So it's very popular, and it really kicks off the, the outdoor tri-season for people around here.
5: And usually people have to register how far in advance?
2: We do two registration opportunities. One is in October, and that's uh, sort of an early bird registration, and there's a limited number of spots for that. And then the general regis- general registration is in late January, typically.
5: So if people are interested in going to the, Bow- going to the polar bear triathlon for 2013, yep. then they would start thinking about training now and have it on their schedule to register coming up.
2: Exactly. Yep. They would be registering in the fall.
5: Tell us how they can find out, how our listeners can find out more about the Polar Bear Triathlon or Tri-Maine Productions.
2: The uh, best way to do it would be through our website, which is just try mainecom uh, We have lots of information there about all kinds of races, uh, everything from triathlons to obstacle running to 5Ks to, you know, everything you can imagine. So uh, check out the website. We've got contact information there. Feel free to email me directly, and I love talking about this stuff. It's, it's my passion, so... Uh, the more I can encourage people, the better it is for everybody. So,
5: Well, thank you for joining us today, Will. It's been great to talk to you, Will Thomas, from TriMain Productions.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
5: As part of our Spring Feet running show, we have in studio with us today John Rogers, who is the owner of the Maine Running Company, a very well-known, long-time running s- store here in the Portland area. And actually, you have a store up in Brunswick as well.
3: Yes, that's correct. We have two stores. We opened in 2005, opened up the Brunswick store three years ago, and it's it's doing very well.
5: John, I understand that as part of the Maine Running Company, you have recently founded the Maine Running Academy. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Well, actually, the Maine Running Academy evolved out of our training programs, which we started in 2006. And uh, we have a program that we call Reach to Beacon, which um, is really centered around Beast to Beacon, the 10K. And um, as the years have gone by, we've evolved it and added more programming. And we now have a main marathon training program. Uh, we support the Fit at 5K, which is a Couch to 5K program. We offer uh, three, uh, four uh, Couch to 5K running programs um, that are capped at 35. And the main running academy really evolved out of trying to expand our programming to offer uh, different entities for different types of um, Training. Uh, we now offer triathlon training for anywhere from beginners to the Olympic distance. Uh, we offer to 5K. We offer the main marathon, half marathon training, which is beginning the uh, the Sunday after Memorial Day, and we also offer fall and uh, winter training. We actually have a, a winter training group called the Winter Warriors training group. Uh, recently, we um, have outsourced our training academy. Uh, to a company called The Sustainable Athlete, which is owned and operated by Denise Good and Doug Welland. They're both level two triathlon coaches, but they're very approachable. They're very inclusive and um, they're very easy to work with. And one of the things that we've started to do is to cap our programming so that we have more one-on-one coaching um, attention to the people that participate or take part in our training programs. Um, We're now offering core training um, as well as TRX training. Um, we have what we refer to as a community room uh, which we are thinking about expanding um, and that room allows us to also house uh, spin training groups in the winter we roughly have five training classes in a winter and it's capped at 20 but it gets a multiple usage out of it in terms of the community it's also offered up for meetings for lectures um, and for just the general public, if they want to use it, if it's available, we offer it to the running community. The main running academy is is a good way for people that have that really want to evolve their training, or whether they're a beginner or an intermediate training trainer, or somebody that's advanced, they can come to the running running academy and um, evolve and improve and reach their goals.
6: I love that idea of the sustainable athlete. Running is available to anyone who just wants to get out their door, but it's sometimes intimidating for people who don't run all the time. So what about people who just want to get started running or run intermittently?
3: Well, one of the things that we recognize uh, in our store is our core customer is really somebody that um, may be a walker. It may be somebody that's only running two or three times a week. And our biggest philosophy that we've that we have uh, it's really our core values is anything that we do with our company or our store, we we have these three values, which is approachability, inclusivity, and community. And that is really the foundation and a cornerstone of Main Running. main run of the company and main run of the Academy is that it's open to anybody. And we try to make sure that people understand that they're welcome, that it's a non-threatening or non-intimidating environment and that, uh, anybody can join the Academy or come into our store and feel truly comfortable and not intimidated. And we work very hard on that from our employees to our instructors, to even the products that we select and merchandise within our
0: store. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of REMAX Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With REMAX Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. And by Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. With offices in Yarmouth, Maine, the Shepherd Financial team is there to help you evolve with your money. For more information on Shepherd Financial's refreshing perspective on investing, please email Tom at shepherdfinancialmain.com.
5: So, some of the things I've heard you offer as advice are: people need the right shoe, fit the right way, which they can get at your store. Mm-hmm. Yes. They need to have the right training program, and sometimes they need to be looking for coaching because if you're starting from zero, that's something that is important. Perhaps the right running group if, if support is important to them. What are some other things that you can offer as suggestions to either first-time or ongoing runners?
0: Well, I
3: think the biggest mistake first-time runners make is really they don't allow their body to adapt uh, to the training cycle that they're about to um, embark on. I think what we do is we make sure that we understand what the goals are, and then we try to fit that runner who is coming in, and whether it's somebody from um, a zero base or somebody that's running two times a week to somebody that's running five times a week, we find out what their goals are, and then we try to adapt that training program around their goals, and that's one of the reasons that we have, for example, in our Cal of 5K uh, group we have a race that they're pointing towards because that person their, their real goal is just to finish the 5k. Um, somebody that may have may be training for a half marathon or, or a marathon we require that they have the ability to run for for from anywhere from a half hour to an hour uh, so that we know that they can take on the type of training programs that's necessary to run, to run 26.2 miles or even 13.1 miles. So in terms of footwear and how we fit people, one of the things I always stress is that we're in the product knowledge transfer business. We're not in the, in the business of just selling footwear. It's our job to be educated and know what's going on within the footwear industry so that we can transfer that knowledge to our customers. And that's really the type of service that we're that our customers are paying for, um, is the fact that we have 10 full-time employees. Most of them have been with us from anywhere from two to three years, and that we will pay our employees more because we want them to retain the knowledge that's going to be necessary to transfer to our customers to get them into the right footwear.
6: You brought up the book Born to Run, which was a national bestseller last year. And one of the things that struck me about that book was that we're all meant to run and that running can be a joyful experience. I mean, a lot of people go out and kind of grind away. Have you seen anything at the main running company that shows you that People, once people start running, there is something that takes over, a kind of emotional... If, they get, if, they, if, it, if it's something that they start to do regularly, there's a, a, a buoyancy or something, a, an emotional lift that comes with starting a running regime.
3: In terms of running, I mean, it can become addictive, just like anything. Uh, you know, endorphins or that emotional stage of being able to complete a goal that or an objective that somebody has can be very emotional. Um, For example, we also do a lot of uh, cause-related training groups um, that are centered around cancer, the Maine Cancer Foundation, uh, Try for a Cure, uh, the Mother's Day Sea Dogs Race, which is also a cause-related event, um, to uh, other events out there, um, no matter what it is. And that emotional connection to that cause uh, can be very, very emotional for most of the participants um, in that event. So, yeah, it can be very emotional, and um, it depends on the level of, of each um, individual in terms of how far they want to take their training. But as you know, endorphins can get released, and people can have what we refer to as the runner's high, where there's nothing better than when you're out there on a whatever distance it is that you're out there for your long run, and you're just floating along feeling Wonderful. So, yeah, it can be addictive, and and the release of, of that runner's high uh, can can really relate to anybody at any distance.
5: John, do you have any special events coming up this summer that you'd like to let our listeners know about?
3: I think I think the summer is at the height of our running season. Uh, we're involved in a number of races and have been since we've opened. We we're a big believer we're a big believer in um, community outreach. We're a big believer in giving back to the community. Um, we give in excess of anywhere from fifty to $75,000 a year to cancer-related events. Um, we have Try for a Cure, which comes up in uh, June. We have the Fit at 5K, which is at the end of June. Uh, obviously, Beach to Beacon is probably the showcase race of the summer. Uh, we have the main marathon, um, the main half marathon, which is actually uh, growing faster than the marathon. Um, so there are a number of great events. We also offer what we refer to as the weekly Back Cove series, um, which is every Wednesday night at six PM, beginning May twenty third, and it will go fifteen weeks uh, through September fifth, with the exception of July fourth, which is on a Wednesday. And this year we're we're going to have to charge a twenty dollar donation, but all those proceeds go to Portland Trails. And one of the reasons that we've had to do that versus offering it free is that we used to ask people to donate and our participation has increased dramatically, but our donations have gone down. So we wanna make sure that people are reinvesting in our trail system, which is one of the major reasons that Portland, Maine is always noted as one of the fittest communities in the country. So number of events coming up this summer um, and uh, we're excited about being involved in, in most of them.
6: One excuse people give for not running or not getting back to running is injury. So how would you prevent injury from running or come back from an injury?
3: Injuries are often a result of overuse because people tend to want to do more because they think their improvement is going to be a result of that when actually what they should be doing is adapting moderately. Um, We always use the philosophy, for example, when we have our beginners start out, we start them out on a walk-to-run program, which – Uh, helps them prevent from getting injured. And we start them out with walking four minutes, running one minute. And we do that for two weeks. Then we take another minute. So it's two, three. Then we do another minute a week later and it's three, two and four, one. Some people don't get beyond the running four minutes and walking one minute stage, but that's all right uh, because they're enjoying the sport and activity and they're getting fit and healthy. But our main job is to try to Uh, communicate to people how to adapt properly, whether it's footwear or whether it's training, to help them not get injured. And for the most part, um, we're very successful at that, whether it's with our footwear or whether it's with our um, training groups. One of the things that I always tell our people is we have A personal fit guarantee whether it's involved in footwear we want to make sure that our customers get the right footwear that's going to best protect them from injury or whether it's our training groups and we always say if you're not getting what you expect out of this we'll give you a refund 100 percent um if that's the case and for the most part i think we've had maybe five to ten uh um refunds over the course of the last six years
5: John, is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to be aware of with regard to the main running company or main running academy?
3: I think the main thing is is that you know um, that the running specialty channel is really unique in terms of what it offers for our customers. We've had growth every year. We don't push for it, but I believe that um, because of the service that we offer our customers, that a strong word of mouth about that service exists, and that. Um, The Running Specialty Channel is a community-based business and one of the things that we like to emphasize is that we are community. Um, We are not a running specialty chain. We are an independent, community-based running specialty store and um, our real goal is to make sure that we are the center of the running community, whether you're just a beginner or whether you're uh, just wanting to improve on your 10K or your marathon and we want to offer those services to our community. And uh, for the most part, we're we're we've had a lot of success at that, and we're going continue we continue to strive every day to try and improve on our customer service and and our products that we offer.
5: How can people learn more about the main running company and the main running academy?
3: Um, well, go to MainRunning.com or MainRunningAcademy.com, and uh, both have separate websites. We also have a Facebook fan page that has uh, over 5,000 fans. Also, just come into the store and see what it's about. Um, you know, it's a, it, we feel like it's a very welcoming environment for our customers or anybody new that has never been in a run specialty store. So um, come on in.
5: John, thank you for coming in and sharing your wisdom today and your background and your experience. I, people who are out there listening, whether they're first-time runners or long-time runners, I'm sure we'll find a wealth of information at your store, so I encourage them to look into the main r- running company.
3: Oh, thank you very much.
5: As part of our Spring Feet running show, we have in the studio with us today Maya Cohen, who is a volunteer coordinator for the TD Beach to Beacon 10K race, being held in Cape Elizabeth.
4: And this is an annual event. Maya, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. Maya, tell us about the Beach to Beacon race. Uh, The Beach to Beacon is a point-to-point race that leaves from Crescent Beach in Cape Elizabeth, Maine, to uh, Fort Williams, uh, the Portland Headlight. Uh, It's a 10-kilometer race, and we have about 6,000 runners. And this is the 15th running of the race. What's the background
5: of the Beach to Beacon?
4: The background is is that uh, the vision that Joan Benoit Samuelson had was to share her backyard of Cape Elizabeth, Maine, and have a point-to-point race along the coast and along the shores of Cape Elizabeth, and to end the finish line with the Portland headlight.
5: So Joan Benoit, who was... Um, an Olympic marathon winner and actually just ran Boston again, I believe, with, she her, did. with her daughter and yeah. is a fellow Bowdoin graduate. So she grew up in Cape Elizabeth.
4: Yes, she did. Uh, she won the women's first um, uh, gold medal in marathoning in 1984. And uh, she, she and her daughter finished the Boston Marathon together at the anniversary of uh, women being able to participate in the marathon. And uh, also the anniversary of Title IX, were women involved in sports.
5: Tell me how fast the entries filled this year.
4: Well, I believe the, the entries, we staggered them so that we filled, uh, we had Cape Elizabeth residents fill in four minutes. Then the next day we had just general registrations for runners, and that filled in, I think, five minutes. And then the lottery... Um, We reserve so many slots for lottery uh, participants, so we fill pretty quickly. The first time that we had online registration, it was like shoving a basketball into a Garden hose. Yes, there were a lot of
5: technical (laughs) problems, but those seem to have been resolved now. Oh,
6: definitely, definitely.
5: And I know that when I tried to register a few years back, it was one of those you have to sit at the computer and just click and click and click and click. Yeah, but that's you've now made improvements in that area. We've
4: made a lot of improvements. We're very fortunate that the race is that popular that people want to run it. How many runners do you have this year? Six thousand. And you still have some slots available for people who want to do
5: charity runs. Yes. Charity fundraising runs. Yes,
4: absolutely.
5: So tell me about, so this is a running show, and what I'm interested in from you, Maya, is what can people do if they can't run a 10K, but they still want to be involved in running in some way? What can people do for Beach to Beacon?
4: You can volunteer. Uh, we have a great volunteer program in place. Uh, we have about 800 jobs that have to be Done between the Wednesday before the race and the day of the race. Um, And they range from working with medical professionals or being a medical professional working in our medical tent to helping set up the course, helping in registration. So it's a... um, The volunteer piece is really important because without the volunteers, a race of this magnitude is very difficult, if not impossible, to host.
5: And there are a lot of Cape Elizabeth residents that don't necessarily volunteer per se, but they're out on the course and they're providing course support and cheering the runners as they go by.
4: Yes, we have a we have a lot of residents who are um, very supportive of the runners. It's, they're just handing out water or playing music along the course, or, you know, that
6: kind of thing. It's really special. It's a big community event, really. I've run the Beach to Beacon once. I'm not a huge runner. Um, <laughs> and the thing that I felt, I'd never run in a race before. I was pretty intimidated about that idea. But it's such a friendly atmosphere. It made me think, wow, I could run races. Everyone's so nice. I always thought it was very competitive, but it felt very family-like almost.
4: You know, we joke uh, every year amongst ourselves and in the, in the organizing committee that the Beach to Beacon is a lot like a big family reunion for us um, at Thanksgiving. And, you know, you spend all this time preparing for a Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody hurries up and eats it, and then you're left with the cleanup. Um, but by and large, everyone has a great time. And that's really what it is. It's it's once a year you get to meet your other family, your other running family or your organizing family, and it's really a lot of fun. And the host families that um, that are generous enough to... Open their homes to are the elite athletes and stay with them. Um, they have s- they've formed some very special bonds throughout the year, and it, it's a very, very special event.
5: So, is that another way that people could get involved? People who live in the areas, they could become host families?
4: Absolutely. Uh, you have to commit to uh, about a five day stay for an athlete to stay with you, and we have very few requirements um, for host stays with the one the major requirement though is you have to live in Cape Elizabeth, and that's simply from for a logistics standpoint. Maya, when is the beach to beacon? It's August fourth of this year and it's the first Saturday every year
5: and is there a reason the beach to beacon is held besides showing people um, where Joan Benoit Samuelson ran? I mean, is there a charitable organization that's benefited?
4: Yes. Every year, uh, the race selects a, a charitable organization that shines the light on, on children, and this year is the Center for Ch- uh, Grieving Children. So past recipients of this have been? Uh, riding to the Top, Maine Handicap Skiing, uh, Camp, um, uh, Camp Sunshine, um,
5: so a broad variety of broad children's broad variety organizations,
4: of, of, of children's organizations. Which
5: yeah. I should mention we've actually had we've actually had representatives from some of these places in our studios. So we we too agree that it's important to be spotlighting these. Maya, how can people find out? more about the Beach to Beacon race?
4: Well, you can go to our website. It's uh, www.beach2beacon.org. Uh, you'll find a lot of information on that particular website that uh, about the race, about past runners, you know, uh, race winners, um, how to volunteer, which is something that I like to have on there. Uh, but it's a great resource of information, and you can read about past beneficiaries as well.
5: Now, the show is airing... In May, the Beach to Beacons, not till August, is it too soon for people to be contacting you about volunteering?
4: Not at all. Uh, we are in full registration mode for volunteers. Uh, we have a need for about 700 volunteers. Uh, many volunteers do many other jobs, double up on jobs during the week, uh, during race week. But it's it's always good to sign up early so that you can get the job that you'd like to do. Um, but... Uh, there is still time to register.
5: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for
4: having me. Talking to you today. Um, We
5: appreciate it. Thank you. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast Spring Feet Running Show, which is sponsored by the Maine Running Company. Today's guests have included from Akari, podiatrist Dr. Chris Toth, and Carol Fortin from Tri Main Productions, Will Thomas, John Rogers from the Main Running Company and Main Running Academy, and Maya Cohen, volunteer coordinator for the Beach to Beacon. We hope our listeners will be inspired to spend some time thinking about those also important um appendages of theirs, the end of their body, their feet, spend some time um, maybe getting a little pampered at, at a cari or getting the right running shoes fit, and then getting out there and actually running, going out for a triathlon coming up, go to Beach to Beacon, volunteer. There are lots of different ways to focus on your feet. We know that you'll find them. We know that you will find good information on the Dr. Lisa website for more um, insight and inspiration on our guests, org. Also, like us on Facebook, follow our posts there, and download all of our past podcasts. There's a wealth of information to be had through the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour on iTunes. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. Thank you for being part of our world. May you have a bountiful life.
0: The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Main Magazine, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin at re Heritage, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Booth, UNE, the University of New England, and Akari. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded in downtown Portland at the offices of Maine Magazine on 75 Market Street. It is produced by Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belisle. Editorial content produced by Genevieve Morgan. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Jane Pate. For more information on our hosts, production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, visit us at doctorlisa.org. And tune in every Sunday at 11 a.m., for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour on WLOB Portland, Maine, 1310 a.m., or streaming WLOBradio.com. Show summaries are available at doctorlisa.org. Download and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial through iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details.